Welcome to the Semper Reformata Podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. So 1 Timothy, chapter 6 and verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. They hold on eternal life, for unto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honour and power everlasting. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not of my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Amen. So this evening, for a few moments, I want to look with you at Ephesians 3. And essentially verse 12, although I may go back a little to verse 11, but essentially verse 12, which says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence. But first let's remind ourselves of the structure of the chapter because we're coming to the end of a little subsection of the chapter. Paul began his work in writing chapter 3 by having the intention of praying for the Ephesians. For the Christians who live in the city of Ephesus, he begins in chapter 3 and verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles... 
And he pauses, he fears perhaps that they have heard about his arrest in Jerusalem and about his journey to Rome, about the tribulations of that journey and about his house arrest now in Rome, awaiting for trial in the imperial court and for certain execution. And he rightfully fears that the news will unsettle them. And they begin to ask why, as you can imagine. Why has God allowed this to happen? Why did the sovereign God, whom Paul declared and taught about in the city of Ephesus, why did this great and mighty God not step in and take control of this situation? After all, look at how many times he's already done that in Paul's life. Look at what happened when he was imprisoned in Philippi and God intervened in a miraculous way to spur his servant at that time. Surely God could do this again. Why is he not? Instead, Paul is imprisoned in Rome. And he's not getting out. And he's concerned that this news might shake the faith of these young Christians, many of whom fairly recent converts in Ephesus. So he wants to pray with them and to pray for them. And just as he introduces his intention to do that in verse 1, he gets distracted. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he begins this digression talking about how he came to be the bearer of such wonderful good news, how God had given to him a special, previously hidden secret, something that had been hinted at in the Old Testament, but that was only fully understood now, that God is choosing out for himself a people, a people from both Jew and Gentile nations, All of these people adopted into his family only through Christ. And for this cause, for this special mission, Paul is chosen from before he was born. And he was made a minister, a servant of the gospel. And the plan to redeem mankind in Christ, the the revelation of that plan to Paul and Paul's own ministry, the administration, the dispensation, as the AV puts it, of God's grace are all part of God's eternal purpose, purposed from before the foundation of the world in Christ. And it's because of that eternal purpose being worked out that we have confidence in Christ to come into the very presence of God. And so we come to verse 12. And I hope that I've adequately summarized verses 1 to 11 for you. So I want to look at verse 12 and to see three main words that occur there. The words are boldness, Access and confidence. Boldness, access and confidence. In whom we have boldness. Saturday before last, 
In the afternoon, Jeanette and I were sitting in the front room at our house, a place I rarely sit in, but keep it for visitors. We never have any visitors, so that rules that out. But we were in, and it was afternoon, and we went into the front room, and we have in there what some of you might remember, a thing called a record player. And we put the record player on, and we were playing some old records from way back in our teens and twenties that we had preserved. And I began to think about a record, and I began to look for it, but somehow it's got lost. Somebody, when I was a teenager, gave me a present, and they gave me an LP, a 33 and a third long-playing record to be played on what we had then was a gramophone. It wasn't an orchestra or a classical album or a pop group or a comedy CD or comedy LP. It was a record of a church service taking place at the Martyrs Memorial Church in Belfast. The whole disc, both sides. And the service was being led by the Reverend Paisley. And he was preaching on the recording too. And I remember listening to it the first time, way back all those years years ago, and then the prayer began. And Dr. Paisley led the huge congregation in prayer, and he prayed to the God who dwells in light, unapproachable. And he said in his prayer, Father, we approach your throne humbly and reverently and yet boldly. I can't do the accent. But even as a teenager, I remember thinking about the contrast in those words. Coming humbly and reverently and yet boldly. We do come before the Lord with humility. We come in prayer when we approach him. We come with the fear of God heavy upon our hearts. We come knowing that the God we approach is our creator, that one day we will stand before him in judgment. And yet we come before the God who in his mercy provided for us a way of salvation at great cost, through his own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, at the cross. So we come broken. And we come on bended knee. And we come as guilty sinners. And we come in abject humility and poverty of spirit. Here's part of a Puritan prayer from the Valley of Vision. I am guilty, but pardoned. Lost but saved, wandering but found, sitting but cleansed. Give me perpetual brokenheartedness, so that I will always be clinging to thy cross. What lovely words. Can't come before God anyway, but with perpetual brokenheartedness clinging to the cross. And yet we come boldly. I think Ian Paisley was simply echoing the words of Paul in verse 12, in whom 
we have boldness. The word boldness here simply means courage, not cheekiness. You know why sometimes with children you will say you're a bold boy or you're a bold girl. Don't be doing that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not coming before God with impertinence. We're coming casually or regarding Jesus as some kind of an intimate friend, like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We're not coming that way. That's the way the modern church would like to think of Christ, as someone who is your your pal, your buddy. We don't come that way. We come with courage. Remember that Paul is writing here to pagans. Pagans who would know that one simply can't walk into the presence of a potentate, an all-powerful one, to speak up and demand to be heard and demand an answer to some petition. You would need someone to bring you into the court. You would need someone to introduce you. You would need to appeal to the potentate for to hear your petition. God in his nature, is unapproachable. That passage that we read from 1 Timothy chapter 6 reminds us so vividly of that. When the Apostle Paul, writing to the young pastor, tells us that God is the blessed and only potentate, That Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, which no man hath seen or can see, to whom be honour and power everlasting. God's purity and God's holiness is so great that he is unapproachable in our sinful state. One of the things that always troubles me is the amount of people in this country who expect that they can go straight to heaven with unforgiven sin. That they can leave this sin-cursed world. They never have had any thought whatsoever of eternity. Having refused to listen to the gospel having perhaps deliberately and willfully and consciously rejected it, having lived even in open rebellion against God and his law, and they die, and their relatives will tell you, you know, he's gone to glory. He's gone to heaven. A number of years ago, I remember visiting a man in Belfast, a family rather in Belfast. And I may have told you this before, but it comes to mind. This family had just lost a father and a grandfather and a husband. And I went into the house and we sat and talked and they wanted to plan a funeral service and we talked about the funeral service and we talked about the burial ground and we talked and I prayed with them and read the scriptures and I was getting up to leave, and one of the daughters of the, of the deceased said to me, you know, it would be a very great help to us as a family. Our, our 
children, his grandchildren, are so distraught at having lost their grandfather, would you please just say to them that it's all right because Granda has gone to heaven? Granda had never appeared in a church all his life, except for weddings and funerals. I couldn't say he'd gone to heaven, could I? I said, no, I can't. I can't say that. I'm sorry. I can't say that because there is no evidence that that is true. How can you walk out of this world having rejected the Savior all your life, having no desire whatsoever to come into the presence of God, having no desire to be with the Lord's people, and think that you can just simply walk into the presence of the God who dwells in unapproachable light. That light would burn you up in your sin. Thrice holy God. Of course, the conclusion to that story is that the church at the time had a church magazine and they, it came out once a month and once a month they would publish in the church magazine a little obituary of anyone who had passed away and they would pass on sympathy to the family and when I opened the church magazine and read through what, the, what they had written uh, somebody had very foolishly put the details of the man's funeral and sympathy to his family and then They had written, but we know he has gone to a better place. I got the hold of the editor of the the magazine. What proof have you of that? Are you trying to tell me that his life was so bad in this life that hell is a better place than where he is now, than where he was here? Thoughtlessness. Ruining the message of the gospel simply by trying to appease the, 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 the conscience and the thoughts of, of people who are living in sin. God is by nature unapproachable by, by sinners and unapproachable even in prayer. We don't even have any right to approach the Heavenly Father in prayer with our personal agendas and demands for his favor if we are not approaching him in Christ. There is no other way. In Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, we read, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. John 9 and verse 31. Even the Jews knew this. The Jews said to Christ, Now we know that God heareth not sinners. And you hear people, they're praying their wee prayers. When what God wants to hear from them is the prayer, Lord, be merciful to me a sinner, before they pray any other prayer. Of course, it may be that God's will may well fall into their way, may well be similar to their own desires, but I think most times the desires of those of this world 
are very greatly in divergence to God's will. God is by nature unapproachable. And yet as Christian believers, according to this verse, in Christ, in whom we have courage, boldness. Ian Paisley, in that prayer, said, We come humbly and reverently and boldly, none daring to make us afraid. Courage. And the second word that we see is access. And that access is blocked to, as we've seen, to those who are not believers. And yet with that boldness, with that courage, we can enter right into the very presence of God as believers. Believers whose sins have been forgiven, whose sins have been blotted out by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we come into God's presence, he doesn't look upon my sin, but he looks upon his sinless son. Let me illustrate this to you from the book of Hebrews. Paul's writing here to Gentiles, but in the book of Hebrews, the author is speaking or perhaps preaching, not to Gentile Christians, but to Jewish believers, to Jews who have come to Christ, who have been saved by grace, who have come to their Messiah for salvation, who have been forgiven, just like us, by grace through faith. And so, The writer uses an illustration they will understand. And he reminds them of the Old Testament system of sacrifices in the tabernacle and in the temple. And he reminds them that there was a part of the temple in which they could never enter the Holy of Holies, the holiest place of all, the place where God dwelt and where only the high priests could enter, and that only once a year on the Day of Atonement, And only after the lamb had been slain, and only after the blood had been shed, and they would know about that. But now the lamb of God has been slain, God's own precious son. His blood has been shed. They have access into the very presence of God. Turn with me for a moment in your Bible to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse, let's see, verse 19 perhaps. So verse 19 in Hebrews chapter 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's holiest. That's the very presence of God, the intimate presence of God. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Christ. There it is. There's the way to enter. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, the crucifixion of Christ, the, 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 the flesh of Christ being put to death, verse 21, and having an high priest over the house of God. Here it is, here's the access, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Veil of the temple. It separated sinful mankind from that thrice holy God was torn in two at Calvary. 
and we have access to God now and forever in eternity. And lastly, then, we have confidence. We come into God's presence with confidence, knowing that our prayers will be heard and will be answered in accordance with God's will. Just while you're at Hebrews, let's go back to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. And it gives us here an absolutely wonderful promise. It says, Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What great confidence we have, knowing that we are living in the presence of God, that we are dwelling under the shadow of his wings. We can rest secure, having confidence that when we are in God's presence, we have come before him courageously through Christ. We are in, we have access right in to the very holiest place of all, and we have confidence that we will find mercy there. And whatever our time of need may be, we will find grace to help. And of course, all of that, Paul makes clear here in Ephesians, is because of Jesus. Verse 12 in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. The wording's a little strange in the King James Version. How can a fully, how can a filthy, wretched sinner come boldly into the presence of this thrice holy God? It is through Christ. It looks here that the author is saying through the faith of him and modern minds might think is that his faith or our faith or what? Uh, and the AV here is simply going with the word order in the Greek and that's unusual for them. Um, but the faith referred here, the faith referred to here is the faith that God has given to us to exercise in him, as Paul has already told us in chapter 2. For he tells us, Therefore by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Having that faith in Christ changes our status before God. We are already in God's presence. We are already seated in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2 and verse 6 tells us that he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are already in status, seated in glory, and we await the realization of that status. And meanwhile, we have the down payment, as Paul has taught us, the Holy Spirit, who is the earnest of our inheritance, the guarantee 
that our expectations will not be frustrated or disappointed. So my friends, rejoice. Rejoice that in Christ as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that we have boldness and we have access and we have confidence to come into God's presence through faith in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We don't need spiritual exercises. We don't need the assistance of the Virgin Mary or the saints. We don't need to exercise meditation. We don't need to do an Amos prayer walk or move into a higher plane or seek supernatural blessings or gifts. In Christ, through simple faith, we have boldness to exercise, to access the presence of God and confidence that when we are there, he will regard our prayers and hear us and answer. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.